It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are Locked On Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 393 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Monday afternoon in a bizarre time slot. That's because, of course, it is Memorial Day, and that means I don't have to do my day job today, which is a very, very nice thing to have happen. And uh, joining me for the podcast today, good friend of the program, Jeff Siegel. What's up, Jeff? Doing well. How are you? Uh, just living the dream, man. You know, um, obviously, you and I have been super locked in to the playoffs. Uh, you know, last night was game seven. LeBron is. Uh, Done it again, and has advanced, and is in the NBA Finals, and then of course tonight with the uh, what everybody I think maybe not everybody, but a lot of people think is basically the NBA Finals uh, and the NBA Champion potentially being decided this evening in Houston. It's going to be very interesting to follow that as well. Uh, I wanted to start off with sort of big picture and also small picture in, in terms of the Hawks because you know a lot of people have been talking about the draft. Uh, you know, most of the podcasts that I will do in the next three weeks or so are going to be heavily focused on the draft, but. Big picture sense, a lot of people sort of poking around and throwing out the fact that, you know, there's all these bigs at the top of the draft and uh, not a whole lot of uh, emphasis on bigs, especially in that Golden State-Houston series. So uh, what are you, where, sort of where are you mindset-wise on the Hawks when it comes to drafting a big man potentially at the top of this draft, given, given the fact that, you know, a lot of small balls being played at the highest level of the sport right now, it kind of makes things very interesting. 
Yeah, I think if you certainly if you're watching just the Western finals and, and even if you're watching the Eastern Conference finals where we saw a lot of Jeff Green at center yesterday. But like if we're if we're really focused in on the Western finals and you're focused on competing with Golden State and Houston, there's a there's a case to be made that having a high end center is not really as valuable as having a high end player at another position. And I think that's sort of been the case over the last few years as Golden State has sort of taken over the league with Draymond Green at, at, at center. But I think. You know, I think for, especially for teams like the Hawks at the top of this draft, it's a little bit of a short-sighted argument to look at Golden State and be like, we need to be more like them. Because as, by the time Atlanta gets back to the top of the, the pile, if they ever get back to really like the top of the top of the pile, then you know the league is going to be totally different. Golden State's not going to be at the top anymore because it's just that's the way the natural age curves go for these guys. And you look around at some of the young teams – you know, in, in the NBA who are sort of up and coming and all of them have high end centers. I mean, even Houston, if you think that they're going to be good for the next few years as Harden sort of is in his prime and they, if you, they get Chris Paul back and some other, uh, you know, if they get another key free agent, maybe LeBron James, um, you know, if you look at those guys, they've got Clint Capella. You look at around the league at like Minnesota has Carl Anthony Towns and Utah has Rudy Gobert and Oklahoma City has Stephen Adams and of course Horford and and Embiid in the in the Eastern Conference and you just you look around at at those kind of teams and you see all the the up and coming great teams have a have a, a high quality All NBA type center and of course there's so many of them that not everybody makes All NBA but that's the sort of level that a lot of those big guys are at. And so I think it's a little short-sighted to just look at Golden State and be like, we need to replicate them, so we need to pass on some of these big guys at the top of the draft. By the time those guys are ready, Golden State is going to be on the downswing, and you've got to be able to compete with Embiid and Horford and Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and Chris Depp's Porzingis and Jokic and Drummond and Townsend Gobert and Capella. It's all the, there's a list of guys, 12, 13 deep, of high-end centers that are already in the league. And if you're at the top of this draft, you know, like the Hawks are at three, you have to be thinking, okay, we need somebody in that of that ilk to to compete with these guys. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I pretty much firmly agree with you on this. I think it is certainly reasonable to point out that you know bigs are de-emphasized in that series, and you know Clint Capella at times has been almost played off the floor, which is crazy considering how good he was in the previous two series. I get all that. At the same time, I'm with you 100 on on Golden State. Um, Sort of probably not being the at least the, at least the only team you're worried about in two or three years. I mean, it's, it's conceivable that they're still uh, you know in that top tier two or three years from now, but I don't think they're going to be the uh, the head and shoulders favorite anymore by then. Maybe they will be. Maybe they'll get Anthony Davis, and that'll be the end of the world. But uh, aside from that, I, I do think that. Um, it's important to emphasize that you don't you don't want to, you don't want a big man that can't stay on the floor in that kind of series. I don't think like and none of the guys at the top of this draft. Maybe Aiton is the only guy I would really really worry about in that way. I guess Mobamba in some ways is some, is worrisome, but he's so athletic and so long that I wouldn't necessarily worry about that. I don't want to go too deep on those guys individually, but you know Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, those guys profile at least as players that can stay on the floor in that kind of series. I mean, they obviously wouldn't be able to play 35 minutes, 40 minutes against Golden State right now. Um, you know, even two years from now when they're probably getting into their, uh, you know, sort of running into form. But still, it's one of those things where you want to you want a center that can stay on the floor in that situation, but I don't think you want to avoid centers altogether. It's not like you have to build your team that way. Because right now, I mean, it always obviously helps to have, like, multiple options because, you know, right now if you're Houston, Capella may not be in your best lineup which is a wild thing to say considering I think, you know, he's a top 50 player in the league 
and isn't isn't able to stay on the floor sometimes, but uh, it helps to have those sort of utility cogs. You know, part of it, part of the calculus as well. Interesting um, wise with the Hawks is the fact that John Collins is already on the roster. He sort of profiles as a big man that probably can stay on the floor in that way ultimately, but you know, there's some questions about that as well. So, yeah, I don't think you have to avoid big man altogether. There's been a little bit of a buzz and sort of backlash on that. Like, why why would the Hawks take a center? Look at look at the series, and it's like I understand that, and I do think all things equal, you'd rather have a wing. But for me, there's really only one wing in this class that is actually in the elite tier and maybe a second if Michael Porter Jr. checks out. I'm not a huge believer in him. But unless you get Doncic, like all the other guys who check all the boxes as elite prospects are bigs um, or point guards. I guess a couple of the point guards you could, you could, I guess you could seriously think about in that tier. I'm not really there with them though. So I do think, you know, if everything was equal and you're able to take Doncic, you would want to do that because wings are just so valuable right now. But I don't think you have to pass on a big man to take a wing if the if the wing isn't in, isn't in the same tier as the big man. Yeah, and I think I mean I think if you're looking at just the Western Finals, I can see you thinking, oh wow, like we know, you know the the Hawks don't need uh, another big guy. But you you have to look past that because you know those two teams are you know on the the higher end of the age curve, especially the 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 Golden State Warriors, and it just feels like. You know, if you look at the Eastern Conference, if you look at just these Eastern Conference finals, both teams went with traditional centers as we as we sort of got through the the end of that series. Aaron Baines and Tristan Thompson both played a ton of minutes in uh, in the uh, in the last few games of that series, and of course Al Horford was such a massive part of of Boston's success. And and then you look at the other teams at the top of the East, Embiid and and Philadelphia is going to. You know those those two teams, Boston and Philly, are the the teams to watch in the East over the next few years. And those both of those teams have those high quality centers. So you were, I, I think it's you know, like I said, I think it's all it's a little short sighted to just look at Golden State. You have to look, you know, at, at everybody throughout the league. And there's so many good centers right now that that passing on a center because you think centers are dead is is just that's not how it is anymore. Yep, I'm uh, with you 100. percent And by the way, I mean, I do understand the fit stuff with John Collins. We talked about that a ton on the podcast already and we'll be talking about it even more over the next couple of weeks. Um, but for me, I think you I think you and I have sort of established that John Collins isn't quite of the tier where you have to worry about building around him. I think he's a piece um, of your team. And maybe he gets maybe he grows beyond that and maybe you know I think we we both acknowledge that there's there's some upside beyond that. But I think realistically he's not going to be one of your two best players if you're a title contending team. So with that with that in mind, you want to build with him rather than around him, and that means taking the best player regardless of if they might clash with Collins. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I'm not even sure that Collins is your fourth best player on a, on a, on a really like title-contending team. I just, I'm not as, like obviously he blew me out of the water this past year, but I'm, like long-term, I'm not sold on his ability to be even like a starting level four or five. Just, just, I think he's more of a first big off the bench kind of guy long-term, but so I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. I wouldn't, even if they get a center next year and then next year there's another you know, power forward at the top of the draft that they love, I would take that guy too and, and let Collins be that sort of off-the-bench guy because you know, I just don't, uh, unless he really you know, continues to grow in terms of his ability to space the floor, his ability with the ball in his hands, switching on the perimeter, you know, there's so much that he would have to get better at that I'm not sure that he'll ever be a, a real starting level guy on a, on a title contender. Yeah, I think I'm a little higher than you, but still probably lower than most Hawks fans seem to be at this point. I do think we're going to learn a lot about Collins next year. Uh, new system, probably more playing time, a little bit more freedom, most likely. And I think I still think ultimately he's a center, frankly, because of the discussion we, that we've been having. 
I don't think you're going to be able to play him as a pure power forward unless you have a center that does a lot of things um, unicorn-wise, honestly. So without getting too, too too deep into that, I just think it's important to at least note that before we get before we get all the questions about, you know, the Hawks already have their center. I understand they might have a center already with John Collins, but, uh, you know, adding the best player available is kind of just where I am in general. Even if that's a big man, that's kind of why I wanted to bring that up just because, you know, Doncic is my number one player. I'm not sure if you formed an opinion on your number one guy in this class. And obviously, he, he, he may not be available. But aside from Doncic not being there, everybody, every other option that I would take at number three is a big man. And that's not going to scare me away. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think Doncic is, is the number one guy for me. But everybody else, like that whole next tier is all, you know, five or six big guys. And any one of them could be, might be the, the their center of the future. And I don't think Collins should sort of stay in, in, in the way that they have. They don't have their center of the future yet. They have a center of the future in Collins. And whether he's the starter or whether he's the, the you know, the first big off the bench, you know, it'll depend on how, how their team is built. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from a Jackson or, or DeAndre Ayton if he falls or, you know, any of the, uh, the other big guys just because Collins is already on the roster. Yep, take the best player available for sure. And uh, listen, it's a great problem to have if John Collins does pop at a higher level than you and I probably think is a baseline prediction level for him. If he's suddenly a guy who is better than that, that's great. It's a good problem to have. I understand it wouldn't be ideal moving forward if you suddenly have a, a legitimate starting center in Collins on your hands and you already have another center that you're building around. But uh, you know, trades can be trades can be uh, exercised, et cetera, if, if, that, if that happens to be the case. In the future, uh, before we get off the draft, I do want to ask you. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. Actually, once that top tier of big men is gone, um, there really aren't very many of them. The rest of the way in the draft, like it's, this is a very, very perimeter-centric draft outside of the top six or seven guys. Um, what does that mean in terms of a strategy standpoint? I think you know taking best best available player is usually the best idea for a rebuilding team, regardless. But given where the Hawks are picking at three nineteen, thirty, and thirty four, um, it almost might make some sense to almost focus more on a big man at three because of the fact that there probably aren't going to be a whole lot of those guys available after that. Yeah, I think the uh, the interesting thing will be if they if like let's say Doncic falls to them at three and they take him. Then you know what? Where do they go with nineteen, thirty, and thirty-four? Because there can be a lot of decent wings available to them at those points. Do they just go four wings and be like, "Hey, you need as many wings as we can get is is what we need"? And I think that's that would be an interesting strategy, just to take as many wings as as they can get. I think with nineteen, thirty, and thirty-four, that would be my focus: is you know trying to pick up guys like DeAnthony Melton. Uh, Troy Brown, guys in that range at 19 would be would be solid picks, I think. And and then of course, you know, when you get into 30 and 34, I would still be looking for wings and guards. You know, especially if you, especially if they're higher on Collins and they think he can be sort of a starting level player. They get a big at the top of the draft, and then they go really wing heavy on on the rest of the draft. Maybe even they package, you know, two of those picks, 30 and 34, or 19 and 34, to move up a little bit into the late lottery and try to pick up. You know, an, another wing, another guard, like uh, you know, Shai Gilgius. I've never actually heard his name spoken, but uh, the, <laughs> yes. the kid from Kentucky who looks really go. good. I really like him, but I have no idea what his name is. Um, I, I like him. You know, Jacob Evans, somebody like that in the uh, in the late lottery or just outside the lottery would be pretty interesting as well. But you know, like you said, I think it's very sort of wing heavy outside of the top ten. And if they picked up two or three wings, I think that would be a a solid use of their of their assets. Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping a top you know 50 list or so just because you know part of my duties over at Dimag is to do mock drafts and things like that. And uh, you know, aside you know outside the top six, uh, I only have two 
additional big men, sorry, three additional big men in my top 50, which is a wild thing to consider. That's, that's Mitchell Robinson, um, Robert Williams, and uh, Jonte Porter. That's, that's the whole list. of. Uh, so from basically seven to 50, I have three big men, which is, I mean, maybe I'm, on, maybe I'm on an island there, but at the same time, I think that's kind of the consensus, at least in the top 30 or 40, is there really aren't, there's probably six or seven bigs, and that's about it. Everybody else is on the perimeter, which is a good thing if you are a team looking for perimeter help, as the Hawks probably, I mean, every, almost everybody is at this point in time. But if you take Doncic at three, I don't think you have to take a big man later in the draft, um, just because you do have Collins, you probably have Muscala coming back. There's no, there's no necessarily um, impetus to take a big if you get if you get Doncic at three. I do think um, ideally, if you if you add Doncic, you can you probably want to add a defense first guard somewhere along the way, whether it be Melton or Kyrie Thomas or somebody somebody like that who profiles as sort of a, a point guard size player that can defend point guards but play off the ball. That'd be kind of a good um, marriage long term if you're looking for someone to pair with Doncic. But we're kind of getting too far ahead there. But it's just worth noting that you know if you don't get one of those bigs whether it be Jackson or Aiton or Bagley or Bamba after that you know maybe maybe you get Robert Williams at 19 maybe you get Mitchell Robinson somewhere along the way but you better be in love with one of those guys because they're not really available elsewhere uh, which is honestly fine with me because as we talked about the more perimeter guys that you can play and be capable especially defensively uh, there, there's a bunch of these um I guess less than inspiring offensive guards that can really, really be switchable. Like your Shake Milton's, for instance, like a guy who has a seven-one wingspan as a six-five guy who played point guard in college. Like he's sort of a hybrid, weird defending first kind of player. That's not going to blow anybody away from a from a uh, appeal perspective offensively. But that's, that's a guy who could really use um, alongside really anybody. So I don't know. There's there's a ton of guys available in this class. I feel like I'm wishy-washy to some extent because. You know, I've only there's only it's probably only two or three guys that I'm really really against the Hawks taking that are usually mocked in that 19 to 34 range. Everybody else, not that they're the same, but anybody else I can I can kind of talk myself into. So it's a, it's a nice problem to have. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with that, the, that group is that we have no idea which ones of those guys are going to be great, but there's probably like two to three like all-star knocking on the door of all NBA guys, you know, wing guys in that group. We just have no idea which ones they are, and it's going to have a lot to do not just with who they are at, you know, in terms of their college skills and what, what will translate, but just how they get developed at the next level and, and what, kind of, uh, you know, what kind of coaching they receive. Because I think that's, you know, obviously that's a big part of, of any player's development is, is what, what situation they go to. But you, know, you, see, you, know, you see a lot of wings who, who go to great situations and they, you know, they flourish even if they're taken outside the lottery. I think that's going to be the biggest you know, differentiation between some of these guys when we look back on them in 10 years 
we look back on the bottom half of this draft and we see, you know, all of these wings and two or three of them are going to flame out of the league in a year and a handful of them are, you know, are going to be, you know, solid role players and there's going to be a couple of superstars and we're going to try to figure out, you know, how did we, you know, what did we miss in the draft on these three guys who became all-stars? It's, I think it's going to be a lot more about like, well, you know, well, this kid went to San Antonio and this guy went to, you know, Milwaukee with, uh, with Budenholzer now over there. And I think it's, it's going to be a lot more about that than, than what we can project coming in on, on this end of the draft. Yeah, situation matters a ton. Uh, I, got, I got a little bit of, uh, of heat yesterday for daring to question Jason Tatum um, just because I don't think he would be this player if he wasn't in Boston, uh, and that's just what it is. Um, part of that is that I was wrong about Tatum in general, but situation does matter. Ascending, you know, that's the ultimate question people always ask about Kawhi Leonard, for instance, is that you know, Kawhi might have turned into, be a, to, turned into a great player somewhere else, but I think it's very, very safe to say that he wouldn't be Kawhi Leonard in all capital letters if he wasn't in San Antonio. They fixed his jump shot, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all about situation. Uh, there are obviously some guys who would flourish anywhere, LeBron James being chief among them. We're, we're about to talk about LeBron for a second. But um, situation does matter for, I'd say, probably 80% of the prospects, 90% of the prospects. Like Most guys just have to get in the right spot, and if they do, it works, and if they don't, uh, maybe they need to get, you know have a, be a second draft guy, move on and land somewhere else. There's other options in that in that uh, vein, but yeah, situation is huge, and uh, it's something that of course the Hawks are looking to build culture wise with their new hire and their sort of whole uh, player development focus here, and they're going to hopefully be that fran- that kind of franchise that really is somewhere that you know positively lands players and helps them develop as the way that they have the last few years with Budenholzer. So uh, anyway, moving on. To LeBron, uh, actually, you know, friend of uh, you and I, Matt Moore, over at the Action Network, was kind of, uh, I guess, tongue in cheek, trying to point out a bunch of scenarios. And I, I, I messaged you and said this would be great podcast fodder, uh, basically talking about the fact that he thought maybe LeBron being added to any Eastern Conference team this year would have led them to the NBA Finals. And it's not a crazy thought because Cleveland's supporting cast was frankly so bad this year, aside from Kevin Love, who didn't even play in Game 7, and they still went on the road and won because LeBron is LeBron. Um, and I guess, you know, without going through every single team here, the Hawks are, of course, our topic of, our topic du jour. And uh, I think it's very interesting to think about what it would look like if LeBron had been on this on the team last year. Obviously, the Hawks weren't really built to win last season, but especially if they still had Ilyasova uh, early on, it might be really interesting. So what did you think about that hypothetical, given the fact that LeBron is LeBron and, uh, you know, that's a pretty good place to start? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it would be, obviously, it would be super interesting to see what he could have done if they were, you know, if he was on the team from the beginning and Ilyasova was a, a bigger part of the team, you know, throughout the season, wasn't bought out in February. I think, you know, you, you could make the argument that they're just as good as, as this Cavs team without uh, without love on it. And they, you know, this, that team, you know, won a game seven on, on the road, like you said. So, you know, I think, you know, you, you look at, Matt, at Matt's tweet about the, what the starting lineup would be with Schroeder and Bazemore and Prince and Deadman around LeBron. And I don't, you know, I don't think that's the, the lineup that I would go with, you know, if we were really going to think about this. I wouldn't play but sure. even that lineup, like, <laughs> makes, you know, it, I think that's a, that's a competitive lineup. Obviously, Schroeder would be the biggest issue there because, you know, he can't shoot and you're not going to take the ball out of LeBron's hands just to give it to Dennis Schroeder. So, like, he probably doesn't play and you put in Ilyasova and that's a much better team. But, or even you put in Collins and that's a better team. So, I think, you know, I think there's some, there are lineup things that would, would change a, a lot if LeBron was, you know, on the team from the beginning of the year and, and the team would be different. They would have been, been the ones who picked up a couple of buyout guys you know, around the, uh, just after the deadline. And, you know, so I think the team would look very different if, if LeBron was sort of captaining the ship there. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a really interesting sort of hypothetical to look through all these teams and figure out, you know, where LeBron would fit and they would just make the finals pretty much automatically. And I think Atlanta, you know, certainly makes sense as one of those teams. 
Yeah, and I uh, I firmly believe that if you just took LeBron uh, and dropped him on the November December Hawks, um, that team is better than Cleveland. Um, and again, I, I think it's worth noting that Schroeder is probably not the greatest participant to pair with um, with LeBron. But Kent Bazemore is like I'd argue one of, like almost a perfect fit with LeBron because Bazemore can defend point guards and also play with some size and shoot the ball and spread the floor offensively. Prince would obviously be pretty good, um, especially with the way he shot the ball this year. Uh, you know, Deadman's perfect in the fact that he can space the floor and protect the rim. There's a lot of options. And like, again, I think it's worth noting, and we, you and I were both making fun of the Cavs to, to a certain extent yesterday during the game, during game seven. That's a team that was playing um, Jordan Clarkson real minutes and in game seven on the road. Uh, he was a disaster. And frankly, you know, as much as and as much crap as we get Dennis Schroeder, and we were about to talk about some more on this podcast, honestly, um, I'd rather be playing Dennis Schroeder than Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I think Schroeder gr- would be a great sixth man on a team that uh, with, with LeBron is at the helm. You know, whenever LeBron sits, Schroeder comes in, take as many shots as you want. You know, just get to the basket, do whatever you want. And then when LeBron comes in, yank him out of there. And, and you know, I think that would work out great. It, you know, it's definitely better than Clarkson. Yeah, I think it's worth at least noting that, I mean, with Kevin Love, you could argue that this team, the current Cleveland team, might be better than this Hawks team. But without Kevin Love, the team that we saw, again, went on the road in Game 7, uh, that uh, the Hawks team would certainly be better than that team. So uh, just, an, I thought it was interesting. It's like sort of a perfect podcast topic because it means nothing. It's just kind of fun to think about. And uh, it actually hit, you know, about an hour before we started recording. So I figured we should at least talk about it and uh, stretch our, our, our brains a little bit. Um, all right, last thing on the pod before we get out of here. A ton of people have been asking about Dennis Schroeder trade scenarios. Uh, the caveat always, in my mind, being that it's really hard to construct trade scenarios from nothing unless you get a rumor that you can start sort of taking, you know, taking, taking things apart uh, team by team. It's kind of tough to do, but we're going to try to do a little bit of that here, try to pair. You know, it's been a fun topic um, offline for me, Jeff, and others in the last couple of weeks. It's just trying to figure out where Dennis could possibly land that makes some sense. Um, anything striking you as a perfect scenario? Obviously, well, this is not reporting anything. We, we have to say that. We do not know any intel here, uh, aside from what Dennis has said publicly, which is basically that he wants to go to Milwaukee or Indiana. Uh, aside from that, uh, no actual you know, intel on these, uh, on these fake trade scenarios. But there are some teams that make some sense because they need point guards, and that's, that's kind of probably the best place to start with. Yeah, I think you got to start with Phoenix and Orlando. Those are the teams that that need point guards essentially, and and Orlando, of course, just got rid of Alfred Payton to Phoenix. Now Phoenix, you know, is is going to need one as as Payton becomes a free agent. And so I think you know one of those two teams has to you know have something that that would interest the Hawks in terms of a trade package. I don't think you know I'm 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 sure I'm with you on that. Schroeder is not a positive asset. So whether, you know, how exactly that trade is going to work, whether, you know, whether Atlanta has to take back a bad contract who that's worse than Schroeder, like a Brandon Knight or Bismack Biombo, in addition to an asset or use an asset to get rid of him, I would advocate for them not to use an asset to get rid of him just because they don't need, you know, the, the, the extra cap space and the extra playing time that they would get with Schroeder off the team is not as important as, say, you know, a first round pick that they'd have to use to get to get rid of him. You know, if, but if they could pick up, you know, like a low end first or a high end second to take on another team's bad contract and then send Schroeder the other way, and I think that would be a, a much better use of of his uh, of his contract than to just sort of get rid of him with a first. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, I mean, unless it gets so bad behind the scenes, which we, we just we just don't know at this point in time. I think there's probably some tension there, given what Dennis said on the record um, about kind of not wanting to be in Atlanta anymore. Not necessarily, he didn't go that far, but uh, didn't exactly stress the fact that he wanted to be there, um, sort of all you know at all costs. So. Unless it gets really, really bad behind the scenes, I'm with you that you wouldn't want to just use an asset to dump him purely. 
at the same time, there are some scenarios that make some sense to take on bad money. Um, uh, you know, Brandon Knight's a perfect one in Phoenix. If, uh, if, if the Suns were to go out looking for a point guard and decide that Dennis Schroeder would, would help them, I don't love that fit with Booker and Schroeder. But if they like it, um, taking back Brandon Knight and then getting an asset on, in return potentially – uh, you know, Tyson Chandler, same thing. I think that, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Orlando, you mentioned Biombo, that makes a ton of sense to me. The Knicks are an interesting one. I know they drafted Frank, Frank Telekina last year, but all indications are that he probably isn't going to be a point guard for them moving forward. They don't seem to love him at point guard. So if they're looking for a point guard option, Dennis could be a Knicks kind of player. And they, if the Hawks were willing to take on Joakim Noah, that would make uh, a pretty uh, interesting partnership. And of course, you have Dennis and THJ playing together again, which would be a lot of fun. A um, couple of sleepers. Um, for me, I'm not necessarily predicting this by any means, but the Clippers might be interesting if they want to be competitive. They don't really have a point guard right now, which is kind of funny to think about. But if, if Teodosic doesn't come back, which that's one that doesn't necessarily locked in, and Patrick Beverly still has the injury and his contract's non, non-guaranteed, they don't really have a point guard, which is kind of weird for a team trying to win. Um, right now, I don't love the fit there either, but maybe they can center on him if they wanted to. And then, of course, Indiana is the other one. I don't love that fit either with Old Depot and Schroeder, but since he expressed the fact that he wanted to go there and they don't really have a, an incumbent guy either. They have they have Corey Joseph, who is uh, opting in, but Darren Collison has that non-guaranteed contract. Um, am I missing anybody? That makes like perfect sense. I, I do think there's a lot of these scenarios probably need a third team to facilitate. Like uh, All the fake trades that I've kind of liked the most – I'll have sort of like third team weirdness with them, but you know, two team trades, you have to just find a team that needs a point guard and there are only so many of those. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the Clippers are an interesting one, one that I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen that, that, that rumor or any, not it just a rumor, sort of hit like, me that they don't have a point guard. It's like, yeah, I, I haven't seen that, that, that their name pop up in the, in the shooter sweepstakes anywhere else, but that's, that's an, that would be a really interesting one just because, you know, like if, I think I think you know I think Doc Rivers could get a lot out of Schroeder. I think he could uh, you know I think in a in a competitive situation Schroeder would be a little bit better. I mean we've obviously we've talked at ad nauseum about his effort issues on defense and the fact that he takes terrible shots and doesn't pass the ball ever and is just not very good. Uh, but I think you know I think when you get that when you get him out of the Hawks a uh, Hawks situation that obviously you know it feels like he's you know pretty unhappy and he's not you know he's not just with the winning but like with the fact that the GM and the, and the coach who was, you know, just, uh, removed and Mike Budenholzer didn't really seem to like him very much. And, you know, we'll see how, how Pierce feels about him, but I would, uh, you know, I would, I would say that Schroeder, you know, wants, you know, would, would like to, to move on from Atlanta, you know, especially as the team is not looking to be competitive at least next year and probably the year after that, at least. And, you know, it would be interesting to see what, what, what rivers could get out of him as a, you know, as a as a a little bit more of a defensive coach, and and could, you know, maybe motivate him a little bit more than than he's been motivated at least in this past year. Yeah, and again, it's not it's not a perfect scenario to find shooter, and that's sort of the dirty secret that we've been we've been saying for a while is that there aren't all these awesome landing spots. You know, you know, it only takes one team to. You know, at least approach falling in love with Schroeder to like that and want to build on, build with him on the roster. He is young; you can talk yourself into him if you want to do that. But because of the length of the contract, it becomes a little bit more dicey um, for teams that might be looking to take a, a gamble on him. So, I ultimately think that the most likely scenario, if you are going to assume that he's traded, is is a swap of bad contracts um, that may actually favor um, Atlanta in some ways. Just because, like for instance, the Brandon Knight one. Uh, Brandon Knight's basically dead money at this point for Phoenix, so I understand taking Brandon Knight for Dennis Schroeder wouldn't look great, but if you can get an asset on top of that um, and kind of just send Brandon Knight home, frankly, or maybe buy him out in the second year, et cetera, et cetera, same thing with Biombo. I think those are probably 
still the most likely scenarios, although I wouldn't project either one of those as likely. Uh, you know, It's really tough to say that Schroeder is going to come back. I, I've been doing radio hits a lot, and everybody always wants to ask, you know, you know will Schroeder be back? And it's like, well, I don't think they would love – I don't think they want him to stay necessarily, but at the same time, there's, there's a pain threshold somewhere with Travis Schlenk to the point where you don't have to trade the guy. I mean, unless again, unless it's something terrible behind the scenes, all out happened with Dwight Howard, where it was clearly the fact where like Schlenk just decided we can't have Dwight around. If, if he decides that, then, you know, they can trade Shooter. I mean, it, it, it'll take some pain. Obviously, it took some pain with, with, with the Dwight Howard trade. Taking on Plumlee and moving down on the draft is some pain. And if they decide that it's, some, that it's urgent to get rid of Dennis, then they can actually, they, they absolutely do that. But if not... Um, it isn't so easy to construct a deal that makes sense for both sides is kind of where we are. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's it's something that that they sh- they might have and should have considered a little bit more with the, with the Dwight Howard trade that I don't think – I just don't think that they're – that they want to do that from a media relations and fan relations standpoint. But just sending Schroeder home, if they were – if it gets to that point where they're like, this guy cannot be around the team anymore, but we don't have a trade that we like, just – Send him home like they, you know, like the Lakers did with Dang, and like uh, like the Knicks are doing with Noah. Just, you know, just get, you know, remove him from the situation altogether. Of course, that'll ruin his trade value. But if you are to the point where his trade value is so little that you can't find anything, even if you really, you know, can't stand having him on the team anymore, just send him home. Eat the last, you know, the last three, two and a half years of that contract, and and just, you know, you just you just move on from him in that way. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think it would have to be so bad for them to actually do that because it's so long. Like, in that scenario, you know, take on Brandon Knight or take on Joakim Noah and do that. I mean, I can't imagine that... I think if you call Phoenix and say, Dennis Schroeder for Brandon Knight with nothing else, they're going to do that trade. Oh, yeah. I so, like, so. before you actually just send Dennis home, at least try to turn him into a shorter-term contract. Um, whether, even, if it's, even if it's just one less year, whether it be Biombo or Noah or even Knight. Those are my three favorite ones, by the way, I think, in, case, in case everybody hasn't noticed that. My three favorite hypotheticals involve Joakim Noah, Bismack Biombo, and Brandon Knight because those are deals that are just uh, – they're not, not not all full dead money. I think Biombo especially has some value, but not nearly what they're being paid, obviously. I think Yamahimi was a perfect one as well. That's one that people have been talking about in three-team scenarios because they're – Washington's been trying to get off Yamahimi. Obviously, they don't want Dennis Schroeder back because they have John Wall. But uh, anybody that was signed in that 2016 offseason that has a bunch of dead money, essentially, um, could be swapped in that way. And, and because of Dennis's extension, it's they, all those guys, even if, you, even if they sign a four-year deal in 2016, they have one less year than Dennis does. So Yeah, and I think, I think one thing to, to watch, and I don't, you know, I don't know where the team is that, that would take him, but somebody like how Cleveland took on Clarkson in the uh, in the trade that got them Larry Nance at the at the deadline, and they turned Clarkson into a very very overpaid sort of backup ball handler. I feel like at, on a on a really high end team that that's Schroeder's that that's even Schroeder's best role. Like if you're really thinking about it from Schroeder's perspective, where would he want to go in order to be the best player he could be? You know, since he's going to get his money either way. And this is, I would imagine, this is probably the largest contract he'll have in his career. So it's not like, you know, he's not really like going to play for a max deal somewhere else. I would, I would think that, you know, he might want to try to steer himself like he tried to do with Indiana and Milwaukee toward a better team where even if he's not the starter, if he comes in as that sixth man, plays whatever, 18, 24 minutes a game and just 
puts up numbers as a, as a backup point guard. I think that that would be interesting to me, and, and that would be a place where they might even be able to to get some value for him. For, you know, from a team that you know doesn't have any other way to add players and has to trade for somebody. If Schroeder becomes available to a team like that, then maybe they you know maybe they are willing to to part with more value than he's really worth on the on the open market because they just they need what, what specifically what he brings to the table. Yeah, I wish there were more teams around the league that really just needed, needed point guards. We've, we've talked about pretty much all of them at this point in time. So unless something gets weird, um, I just can't see a team that doesn't have a point guard need wanting different than a shooter because I, I just don't think he's an upgrade on most of what is around the league right now. So we'll see. I mean, I think, I mean, it has to be said that you and I are lower on him than a lot of Hawks fans are for sure. And maybe, maybe the league. I don't know. I mean, what I hear around the league is not always positive about Dennis, and given that it's three years, I can't imagine there's a ton of value there. But again, it only takes one team to really like him and want to take him on, and he's still young and all that fun stuff. If you look at his box score numbers, they're not so bad, aside from the shooting. So maybe we're just wrong about this, and he has more value than we think. But I think we're closer to right, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I just think it's always – I mean, every, every couple of weeks I get a ton of questions about Dennis, about trade scenarios. So I wanted to at least run through a few – ideas and teams that might, might, might make some sense because it's sort of dead right now. I mean, the draft's still three weeks away and um, we're going to do plenty on the draft. We already have done a ton on the draft, but in an effort to break that up a little bit, when we talk about Dennis and, you know, a month from now, is he still on the roster? I think he, you know, gun to my head, I think probably so, but he could be dealt around the draft I and mean, it wouldn't be crazy at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, especially that week between the draft and, and free agency, and then maybe you know within those first few days of free agency, depending on how things go, it wouldn't surprise me to see you know if if a handful of these teams, you know the Phoenix, Orlando, and New York, especially like if they have like Schroeder, yeah, we'll take him if we strike out everywhere else. Uh, you know th- those that kind of mentality, especially if Phoenix is like you know if, if Phoenix is is set on taking a big guy, and then they're gonna you know replace. Peyton in free agency and then they strike out there then maybe they come back to the Hawks and are like yeah well let's work out a deal for Schroeder same with Orlando and New York I think that makes that makes a lot of sense in sort of the you know the early days of summer league that's you know 7th 8th 9th of July if we're hearing more Schroeder stuff that would be that would be an interesting time to to hear about that I think from those three teams in particular yeah I mean those, those are the three obvious teams I mean it doesn't mean that those are going to be the teams that trade for Dennis Schroeder if they make a trade but if you were looking around the league and said which teams need point guards that might want Dennis Schroeder, those are the three. So there, and there's, yeah, there's, absolutely. A, there's a reason why people always ask about, especially Orlando and Phoenix, and it's because they don't have point guards. And uh, yeah, and there's very few teams that don't have point guards. Though there are more teams that don't have backups. If you could convince him to be a really high end backup point guard, I think I still think that's the best role for him. It's just a, a scorer off the bench who can play a little bit of defense. If you can get him to play with some effort. And just be that sort of high-end backup guy who, you know, then you don't have to talk yourself into, oh, is he a, a playmaker for, for our, you know, our better players? Is he, you know, is he going to defend his position at a high level? If he's a backup, none of that stuff really matters. If he can just do one thing well, which we know he can get to the basket and, and score around the rim, then that's, that would be all that he really needed from a backup. Obviously, he'd be really overpaid and you'd have to sort of convince him that being, you know, after being a starter for a couple of years, that being a backup is, is his best spot. But I think that's, I still like that as his best role. I think it would be best for him. I think it'd be best for the Hawks in terms of getting value back for him. That's, that's still, you know, I, I would hold out hope that somebody, you know, somebody out there will want a backup point guard. I mean, if, you, if you're really thinking about something, you know, a team like Golden State, who has Stephen Curry, but has that backup point guard role 
has sort of been a, been a struggle for them. You know, Sean Livingston is really limited in terms of the minutes he can play. Quinn Cook has been, you know, he's he was a two-way guy and he's not necessarily like an answer, a backup point guard. You know, if would they give Schroeder a look as somebody who, you know, would not play in their system particularly well, but would just be sort of a, a firecracker off the bench for 15 to 20 minutes a game? I, I just, those are the sort of teams, those high-end teams who can't add a player in any other way might look at him and be like, yeah, we'll overpay for somebody uh, with his skill set. Yeah, I'm with you. I think ideally, I'm, I think, you know, somewhere, he's somewhere between 25 and 40 on the point guard list, however you want to do that, which means he's probably best served as a backup. But, you know, three years and 15 plus million a year is really tough to have as a, as a backup point guard. So, yeah, it's a really tough scenario with Schroeder. We'll see. I think, you know, more, more, than, more than likely, some, whatever happens with Dennis, if it's a trade, is going to be a surprising one, something, something that, we're, that we're not predicting. That's probably what I would say about it. But anyway, uh, yeah. we've done plenty enough on that. Jeff, uh, please plug your uh, your website venture that I, I try to do my best to plug whenever I possibly can because it's awesome. And frankly, I use it during this discussion. So get it out there. Tell people where they, where, where they can find your stuff, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JG Siegel. Uh, you can find all of the cap and, and all of my playoff stuff uh, or most of my playoff stuff since the Cleveland Cavaliers are still somehow alive. I'm, I'm still doing the Cavaliers stuff for Fear of the Sword. But all the other playoff stuff is on uh, my new website called earlybirdrights.com. As soon as we get into the draft and free agency, there's going to be articles on there every day about teams. You know, as they, I've got a 30 teams in 30 days coming in starting June 1st. And then, uh, and then we'll have the, uh, once free agency starts, I'll have cap sheets every, you know, within five minutes of every, uh, signing being announced. And then I will, uh, I'll have articles every morning on just sort of summarizing what, uh, you know, summarizing and, and analyzing the, the signings that happened the night before. And so we're going to have a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of free agency content. I think it's, it's the, still the best place on the internet for cap sheets. I know that's, I'm a little bit biased there, but I've looked at, a lot of what other people do. And I, I just, I took the best of what everybody does and, and put it all into my site. And so, you know, it's, it's the best place for, for the free agency coverage that, that everybody's going to want come July 1st. Absolutely. I can't recommend it enough. And uh, if you are a cap nerd, or just want to know what's going on in the league and know scenarios and what can happen and just be well, just be generally well-informed, I would uh, bookmark Jeff's site to be sure, because that's something that I'm already using on a, on a very regular basis and uh, you guys could be doing the same. So thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again very soon and enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me. As for everybody else, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, that would really help us. Obviously, uh, leaving five-star feedback would be good as well as if, if you really like the show. Uh, tell your friends. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and uh, TuneIn Radio, all those fun places. And uh, regardless, we'll have another podcast later in the week, so stay tuned for that and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot 
for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.